Welcome to the Unlocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of brain-blowing wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 58 of Unblocking Crypto. This week is going to be almost one single theme that we talk about. <laughs> How welcome back. And I think before we jump into some of the bank stuff, is there anything that you want to highlight before we talk about literally it seems like the biggest bank failures and then in some of our lifetime? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before like Thursday and Friday when all the bank stuff was going down, there was a couple of little headlines and blurbs I saw about Biden floating a tax proposal as part of his budget proposal. And it included a couple of, of crypto things. Really the two that I wanted to talk about, one of them is talking about eliminating the ability to tax loss harvest because they're going to implement wash sales. So with securities like equities, you know, you, you sell a stock. If you buy that, if you, if you take a loss, sell a stock and then buy it right back, you don't get to take credit for the loss. You don't change your cost basis. You have to wait 30 days. When you, with Bitcoin and, and right now, or as of last year, it was all crypto currencies or digital assets. You could sell them and buy them right back, capture those losses, and then adjust your cost basis. And so that's something that I did last year. And uh, this last year, that was the first time I've ever done it. And uh, we talked about it a few podcasts ago, maybe five podcasts ago. It's one of those things. It probably needs to be done. I mean, it's it's one of those things that the, just because there's a new technology or a new investment or asset class, uh, it doesn't mean you get to play by whatever rules or the most favorable rules. You kind of get that for a little bit and then they start to regulate around it. So that's probably, this has kind of been a long time coming. I didn't think that you'd be able to stick with this, especially if they're going to identify the bulk of cryptocurrencies as as securities. Securities and equities, they're going to, they've always been subject to a wash sale. So that's that's not surprising. But I'm curious to see what they do with Bitcoin because they, Gary Gensler and uh, the IRS has kind of identified Bitcoin differently than other cryptocurrencies. So that's something to keep an eye on. Again, it's like a floated budget proposal. I couldn't find like an actual document that would have been released by the White House. So it's really just reading articles and stuff. So that's one piece. Uh, the other piece is a 30% tax on the power used to mine, mine Bitcoin or mine crypto, but the only power intensive uh, crypto is really Bitcoin. So, I mean, I get it. Like they've got the environmental thing they've got to play. But if you start to identify hey, if you use electricity this way, you've got to pay a, a, a penalty. But if you use electricity to do Christmas lights, you're cool. Or if you charge your electric vehicle, that's no problem. Or you know, if you use your electric dryer, that, we're not going to penalize you. So this would be the first time that I'm aware of that, that you're going to get penalized for using electricity a certain way. I'm not sure how you execute that. I'm not sure how you determine who's using it for Bitcoin mining because like, I rewired my air conditioner in my basement and then hooked up a Bitcoin miner to keep my basement warm in the winter while my air conditioner wasn't running. So I'm assuming they won't know that and certainly wouldn't be able to parse out my electric bill to determine what portion of it went to mining Bitcoin and what didn't. So it must, I'm assuming it's targeted around like strictly Bitcoin mining companies that are, you know, the 98% of their electric consumption is going to mining Bitcoin. But even then, I mean, you're not uh, putting a premium on M&M Mars for making candy bars that are 
uh, making people obese. And, you know, they they got the same price of electricity as people that are making diapers and anything else that, you know, it's like some things are okay and some things are not okay. So I don't know, man, we're in America. It's kind of tough for me to think that they're going to be able to tax like different or basically charge you more for power for different things. Also, it's weird for the federal government to kind of get involved. I mean, you, you know, the, the, the power companies will do like you can get a special rate if you're using power in certain ways or certain amounts of power. And so that's one thing, but I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure anybody really wants the federal government to decide what's okay for you to use electricity and what's not. It sounds like just politics that they're trying to prepare for the next election to say this is what they're doing. Right. But I agree. I don't see how they enforce this because it doesn't make much sense. No, I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not digging it at all. Cool. All right. So let's talk about the banks. <laughs> This, this past uh, week or so has been fairly interesting. We, we talked last week about Silvergate, which Silvergate was kind of a small bank, all things considered, only having about $12 billion in assets. And they were delaying their financial statements to revise their 10K. And pretty much it came out that they are voluntarily winding down, right? And all of their depositors will get 100% of their assets back. But then right on the heels of that, we have probably the second largest bank failure in U.S. history with Silicon Valley Bank having $200 billion in assets. And they were pretty much taken over by the FDIC. And they have become probably one of the largest crypto-friendly banks and, and helped uh, between them and, and Signature been one of the, or two of the main on-ramps to get cash into the crypto system. So kind of a mess right now. What's your your thought on all this at this point? There's quite a few thoughts, right? Because kind of this went down Thursday, Friday, which is always weird to me that like these bank things happen on Fridays. And then you like it gives them the weekend when nobody can freak out and go to their bank and withdraw their money. So the Silicon Valley Bank, all they really did was when when everybody had cash in 2020, late 2020 and 2021, everybody's depositing cash. So they had all these cash reserves and, and customer deposits. And so they buy bonds with them, right? Because if, if, you, if you're not thinking, bonds are like the risk-free return for banks. But once 2022 hit, like late 2021, they're still saying inflation's transitory. We're not thinking about thinking about raising rates. All of that stuff is going on like the second half of 2021. So, you know, 2022 rolls around and now it's like okay the bond market's telling you that there, there's going to be a rate hike the fed's kind of telling you there's going to be a rate hike so if you have a lot of bond exposure or if you're in if you're a retail investor in bond funds or if you're holding bonds you know well you should know if you're a bank you should know that your bond values are going down as interest rates go up because people are going to want to buy new bonds at a higher rate they don't want your bond that's at that one and a half percent when they can buy a new one at two and a half or three and now almost five. And so your bonds that 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 SVB bank bought at one and a half percent at this point, you know, it's real tough to get rid of them. So they they had uh, some liquidity issues. And then so they're like, all right, well, let's sell 20 billion dollars worth of these bonds. And they lost about two billion dollars on the on the exchange. That's not the end of the world. Right. They, like losing 10 percent on a on an investment i mean it's it's tough all that but like you said 200 billion dollar bank you lose two billion dollars you're not you're not insolvent but people find out about it 
and it's like Silicon Valley. So it's all these tech startups, all these people that are in communication with each other. And so like immediately when there was a, a little shakeup or people were getting nervous, they were telling everybody else about it. So it was, uh, I want to say there was like $43 billion tr that were trying to be, that were withdrawn like that week or in, in a few days. And so it's just, they ended up just being illiquid. They didn't have the money to do it. And then bang, FDIC comes in, regulators take over. And then over the weekend, the Fed comes out and says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give banks loans on those bonds and mortgage-backed securities. I said bonds up to this point, but it's bonds and mortgage-backed security. And we're going we're gonna to give them loans based on the par value, or based on the initial value of the bonds or the mortgage-backed securities, not based on the current value. And so again, yeah, it's not we're just going to print money and give it to, give it to banks and they're off scot free. Like there's they they are subject to a loan, which I bet will be forgiven. But the guy, like people near retirement that are in bond funds and people that are holding bonds, that they're not getting anything. Like they made the same mistake. They're not even bankers and or risk management uh, and working for in finance. So the, the, you're not bailing out guys that had the same problem on their individual balance sheets, but you're bailing out a bank and and trying to not call it a bailout because that's like a dirty word now. So they had to do something because it was Silicon Valley Bank Thursday, Friday signature over the weekend. And I heard there's like five or six more banks and maybe up to 20 that are in trouble like this. So Silicon Valley Bank kind of made sense. And I was like, okay, they got to do something. They kind of did something. And then signature came out of nowhere. Feds took over signature, but like it was underwater and in a bunch of trouble. And I'm like, I didn't hear anything about this. But Signature is another, like like you said, an on-ramp for fiat to get into the crypto industry. And these are, I think it's mostly for an institutional money because everybody else can just go use on-ramps like Coinbase and other exchanges. So I think these are like actual family offices, like big money movement type of thing. And so Barney Frank of the Dodd-Frank bill from the great financial crisis of 2008, is on the board at Signature Bank. And he was like, our bank's not in trouble. We, we, I think that this is just like a, a, a power grab because we're so involved in crypto, which is crazy to hear from like a 70 year old, 80. I don't know how old Barney Frank is. He's gotta be old, but I'm reading this from crypto people. So like they're looking for attack vectors on, on crypto. Um, so, but I haven't really figured out where Silicon, where Signature went wrong everybody's going to be kind of in trouble. We raised rates faster than we've ever raised rates. It didn't give time pe people time to adjust and make moves. Or if they're asleep at the wheel, it's one thing if you're asleep at the wheel for six months and interest rates go up a half a point. It's another thing if you're asleep at the wheel for six months and interest rates go up three points. Going up fast is, is trouble. Also, normally you would hear other banks having trouble, then they would talk about, hey, we got to do this. We have to make, we have to move money around. And so like over time, it, you know, people would start making similar decisions. These people have never seen this. They've never seen uh, rising interest rates in general. So right? it's been 40 years. So nobody working seen it and nobody's yeah. seen it happen in a year. Yeah, it's definitely unprecedented. And for those people that aren't aware of what the Dodd-Frank bill was, it was pretty much to reduce the chances of consumers being taken advantage of by making banks play by the right rules, right? So literally this is what's supposed to not happen <laughs> because of the Dodd-Frank bill. And it, and it sounds like what I was reading, Barney Frank even came out and said it was Signature had poor risk management. And that seems to be the case for a lot of these guys is their risk management was, was pretty shitty. 
You have people like Elizabeth Warren that are tweeting there's a run on the bank and blaming it on crypto. And it has nothing to do with crypto. <laughs> it's all about risk management. So it, it's crazy that a congressperson is tweeting out there's a run on the bank, which probably did not help the actual run on the bank piece of it, too. No, that's um, like so. yelling fire in a, in a movie theater. It's like you just don't say like if you don't want a run on banks, don't say there's a run on a bank because yeah. then everybody thinks their bank's next and everybody pulls it out. But that's another piece to this whole thing, right? So the federal government steps in, does all this. So guess what people are doing? You got a hundred million, you got five million dollars in your your regional bank to run your business. You don't know if it's safe or not. They might tell you it is. So what do you do? Well, Chase isn't going to fail, right? Citibank's not going to fail because they're on a list of systematically important banks or whatever, and it's known that the government's not going to let them let it be a problem. So. You sit at your desk, you open up a new account and transfer money around. And so to me, yes, what they did was not, it wasn't awful, but it's just going to push money away from regional banks and into the the big four. And this government intervention stuff is like, I guess you can't let it fail. But the thing is, the Fed's raising interest rates in order to increase unemployment. So guess what happens if people can't make payroll because their bank failed? You did what you needed to do. You just couldn't stomach it. You know, you got to, I guess you need to, I guess you need to squeeze small businesses out slowly and not just wipe out a bunch of them by by crashing banks. But I mean, you know, we keep saying the Fed's going to raise rates until something breaks. Okay, I would say something broke, right? <laughs> it feels like if banks are failing in an in a, a hot economy, you know, with like nothing. I talked to all my friends that are that still own businesses, and everything's great. They're making a bunch of money. They're paying their employees more. Like the, everything's hot and then banks failed. It's definitely from raising interest rates. Crypto, blaming crypto. Elizabeth Warren's blaming crypto. Like maybe it's the new Trump, to like the new thing to blame stuff on. Who's pulling out of crypto and turning it into US dollars right now? I don't, very, almost nobody, right? If you're coming out of crypto, maybe you maybe you go into US dollars, but you're not going from an exchange into a, into a checking account. Honestly, that would be helping the banks if you were selling crypto. If you were buying crypto with with your deposits on on a bank balance sheet, then that would would suffice. You could start to blame it. But like if you look at crypto volumes, they aren't doing much. Yeah, what's interesting, I think the way that I heard it phrased was that banking doesn't have a crypto problem. Crypto has a banking problem. And you even have like Brian Armstrong over at Coinbase, who is now thinking about integrating banking services into Coinbase to take away some of this. I mean, if you look at what Bitcoin was created back in 08 for, it was to reduce <laughs> or eliminate the need for a lot of this crap that's going on right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, 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 it was created because of bank failures and governments bailing out banks. Yeah. Like, straight up, this is it, this is the first time it's gotten to see it since it's been you know yeah. out in, in, uh, in the world, but it seems like it likes it. It's up like 20% since, uh, I think it took an initial dip and then, I mean, it's it's up about 20% from Friday, I think. Yeah. And, and the crazy part is it's, I mean, you look at Silicon Valley Bank, that is mostly uh, VC startups. Right? Right. It is very little crypto. So it is these guys, all these VCs that have a ton of money and a ton of startups that if they aren't able to make payroll, theoretically, the future of innovation for all these startups disappears for a handful of years. That causes a ton of GDP to someone disappear. So they are throwing everything they can to try to make sure that the government prints money. Blaming it on crypto is is not the answer. 
but crypto is definitely going to benefit from it because no one's going to trust the banks anymore. I mean, I haven't trusted them for a while, but now this is just showing people why. <laughs> yeah. No, I have a friend I talked to. He works for a company and it's they're trying to disrupt the logistics industry and, you know, classic VC tech startup. And I think they're still in like burn rate mode and not profit mode. But he said they had like 150 million at Silicon Valley Bank uh, as of like Thursday and Friday. They're like, well, if we can't make payroll on Friday, but also it's logistics. So they pay drivers like every day, like, like within 24 hours of dropping a, uh, a load. And so he's like, our reputation is going to be shot if we can't pay drivers. Like nobody's going to drive for us. The critical nature of having to get that thing turned around over the weekend. I mean, I get it. Like that company's done. If if it goes a week without without being able to pay bills, it's a wrap. And so, you know, I don't know how many jobs that is. A lot. So I get it. They had to do something. They did something. But that's what happens when all those things intertwined. Five years ago, I probably knew almost nothing about how banking and money worked and all that stuff. And the more I learn, the more I realize it's like this foundation that the economy's on is just built on a house of cards. And like the Fed just steps in is like, whoa, the, that card fell. I need to grab it. Like is once it starts to fall, it's real tough to keep it from falling. Well, for those people that do want to learn, there's a really good video by Mike Maloney um, called The Hidden Secrets of Mo Money. And I think episode four talks about inflation and just really explains how this whole currency house of cards as you just called it is is set up and it is it's scary once you learn about that i mean there's no going back so i'll i'll make sure i include a link to that i, I think it's about a just under a 30 minute video that if you listen to it at 2x speed you can see it all in 13 or 14 minutes uh, but yeah it's it's a bunch of ious that are holding up this this country and it's, it's a yeah. little scary the, man, I, I wish I, I wish I remembered the numbers. I think in the United States, there's like seventeen trillion dollars in customer assets in banks, and there's a hundred billion dollars in the FDIC to insure. You know, the up to two hundred fifty thousand uh, FDIC limit. It's built to withstand like a very small fraction of banks failing. It's not built for anything sizable. And like, honestly, I mean, it's a $200 billion bank. They had a hundred billion in the FDIC pool. It's just, it's the same thing as everything. They don't ever adjust, right? That FDIC number has been the same for a long time. It doesn't adjust for inflation. So that doesn't grow. But when the economy grows and inflation runs, the inflation print today was 6% under the new calculation. So we're, we're at six, seven, eight, 9% inflation. A lot of things that the government sets for, for income limits and things like that, is not tied to inflation. So it's like you make $600 or more, you have to claim it on taxes. Like that $600 number has been in there for a long time. And the same with like, if you do a $10,000 deposit, it gets reported to the IRS. I think that's, I think that's a 50 year old number. I think that was in the seventies when that came out. So it should probably be, if you make a $40,000 deposit in, in the, at your bank, it gets reported to the IRS, but you know, they just, they just don't do anything. Like the government just doesn't, they're, they're not proactive. They got to wait for something to get destroyed and then they go in and fix it and pat themselves on the back. Oh, it's interesting. I mean, the FDIC is not actually done by government. It's done by the Federal Reserve, which is not a part of government, which has a bunch Keep of stakeholders. Yeah, which has a bunch of stakeholders that have, that get a 6% stake in everything that happens there, right? And they won't release who the stakeholders are. 
but you can guess it's probably some of the largest banks out there that aren't that are too big to fail, right? Yeah. So, oh yeah, no, I mean, there's a reason. I mean, the the Fed and the Treasury did a joint press release for this. You know, Janet Yellen bounces back and forth between them. Like that was another thing that sucked. I had to listen to her talk again. When you listen to the people in charge talk, it's scary. It's super scary, man. <laughs> Listening to her talk, I, I'm more than happy when she she just retires. She just doesn't. She she understands the way it used to work. Yeah. So I, I know one thing I did hear is that. Silicon Valley Bank's UK arm was acquired by HSBC over for, there. So, for a pound. Yeah, for a single pound. For, yeah. Uh, to kind of keep things going. Uh, there's still a lot more details that I think will come out. But the one thing that I guess is crypto related is uh, USDC. We've talked about stable coins in the past. Yeah. USDC had a lot of exposure to Silicon Valley Bank. Well, I say a lot, 3.3 billion, which is a little compared to their. I think it's only like seven and a half percent of their total amount of uh, supply, but it lo- they lost their peg, right? So when a stablecoin loses their peg, that's not a good thing. And USDC was supposed to be the best stablecoin out there. That's right. <laughs> so it is. Uh, it, it's kind of a mess right now. Where I mean, not that I had a, a really strong belief in stablecoins. You kind of hope that they are going to be stable, but there's still a lot of issues out there with stable coins and and what's going to happen in the future with all of those yeah i saw that the dpeg i haven't seen uh, did they recover i mean i, I haven't it, I haven't it did i think it took a couple of days but yeah, yeah i figured if it didn't i would have heard that it's still it was like it's kind of like a debt spiral for those like they if they lose their peg and don't regain it quickly then nobody trusts them and then it's dead like it's just a matter it's a short period of time before it's dead yeah i think it went down to like 80 cents and now it's recovered and, and it's, uh, the circle pretty much came out and said if the FDIC doesn't um, take care of it, they have the funds to fix all the issues from their perspective. So now I think the way if you look on their website, 25% of their assets are in cash and the other 75% is I think treasury bills, short treasury bills or short yeah. date treasury bills. So they have a ton coming due in March and April. So they'll have a lot of money. It's just one of those things where they don't have it right now. <laughs> yeah, you gotta wait for that to come through. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting, and that's one of the things that I keep hearing is for those people that have more than that 250k of FDIC insurance. If you want to try to protect yourself, maybe it is T bills that you start looking into. And and I haven't done that, so this is definitely not financial advice. But it is the one thing that I keep hearing is if you want to feel safe, maybe that's where you put some money. So until all this blows over no man i mean if if people don't understand it if you have a bunch of money you can't hold it in u.s dollars if you put it in a bank it's really just an unsecured loan to the bank to let them loan out that money to other people on a 6x leverage at least everything over 250 grand and then if if you hold 250 grand or less that money is just getting eroded by inflation slowly so it's like you may lose your money really quick or you'll definitely lose your money really slowly, your choice. Like people got to understand, you can't hold dollars. Yeah, it's interesting. And one of the other things that I think I heard was Bitcoin is pretty much priced in debt, right? So as long as the debt continues to increase, the Bitcoin price will continue to go up. And right now that is kind of still an exponential (laughs) number on our debt. I mean, we have to keep creating more debt to pay off things. I mean, there's there's no no other way to do it. And that's... Well, MMT way, right? Is that is a good thing. So 
Oh no, yeah, they train they train people that's good from day one, man. Like everybody complains about student loan debt. They've been complaining about it for twenty years. There's kids in school right now taking on student loan debt that their entire life all they've heard is bad things about student loan debt and how student loan debt is crippling and you're, you know, I've worked for 30 years and I still have a student loan debt and I clear here bankruptcy, but the student loan debt is still with me. It's like student loan debt, 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 sucks, sucks, sucks. Guess what they're in? $100,000 worth of debt to go to college. Their whole life they're in debt. It's just part of, it's, they're, they're a fish in water, you know? It's like, what do I care if I get a car and, and pick up another loan or a house? Well, look, house, housing prices only go up. I, I can get in debt and I'll make money. It's like, how do you get? How do you have a net worth that's that's positive, if you're six figures underwater before you get your first job, and you need a reliable car to get you to that job, and you need a house to live in? It's just the the this is the the way the economy is built, and the way that debt is required. There's no way Bitcoin doesn't succeed. Like, will it be a straight line? Absolutely not. But like, there's no there's no way around it. Yeah, I mean, my my worry still is that this is one of the reasons that government starts to enable CDBCs, which then theoretically you can, they can control everything that you do only eliminate or limit you to doing things that make sense. So if you want to spend something, you better make sure that it is on a very energy efficient way of doing something or else they're not going to allow you to spend it on it. So I've told a couple other people about it. I was like, this is more reason to start accumulating things like Bitcoin to have another option outside of whatever the currency is in your location. Oh yeah. If 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 the federal government in 2023 is talking about a 30% increase in taxes on the electricity that you use to mine Bitcoin, if they have a central bank digital currency where they can tell where you spend your money and what you spend it on and how much you spend it and how long you sit on it before you spend it, they could easily be like, yeah, um, there's a 10% tax if you if you hold money in your bank account for longer than six months. We need this economy to move. We need velocity of money, right? That's mm -hmm. MMT's thing. So, all right, well, there's your 10% saver tax. Oh, you're going to buy a, a, a used electric dryer that's not uh, energy efficient? Okay, well, you can do it, but there's a 20% tax on that because it's not energy efficient. It's like, yeah. it, I mean, it, that's to me, a few years ago, that felt like a conspiracy theory, like out there kind of thought and even now it's like man i don't know if that would i don't know if that, that the united states would do that but it's like i think the if the wrong people are in charge and they they run you know all, all the house the senate and the white house yeah they probably would do it like i could see that yeah so crazy times right now i, I think now is one of those times if you haven't started to get educated on the economy and crypto in general now it's kind of your wake-up call because <laughs> it's it's gotten pretty serious at this point the interest going to be your, it's going to be your bank soon like maybe it's not maybe it's 10 years from now or eight years from now or whatever but like you need you kind of need to understand how things work i, I i'm the last ever since COVID hit everybody sucks at their job chick-fil-a gets my order wrong now 2019 and before that i don't think i ever got a wrong order chick-fil-a people the risk managers at banks they suck at their job the people building cars they suck at their job maybe they're overworked maybe they're stretched thin or whatever but like to me it's like yeah you kind of really can't trust other people to to do stuff like you kind of have to be a little bit educated about everything and know what to do when things go wrong it's like things are just going wrong left and right 
the most important thing that you do is convert your time into money. And then that money needs to, you, you need to be looking out for that money, especially like whatever you save after all your bills are paid. That's, that's pretty tough money to, to hold on to. So to throw it in a bank or throw it into an investment or throw it into a malinvestment, you're, you're just throwing time away. I think people need to, people need to start thinking about things a little differently. I think it just it happens real slow, man. It's you're talking about changing the way people view their lives as far as, you know, oh, I just I go to work. I'm a I'm a chemist. Blah blah. It's like okay, you you're paid because you've spent so much of your life learning chemistry. You're just you're just converting time into money. And tomorrow you're going to be there for eight hours or nine hours or ten hours, and they're going to give you money for that. You never get that day back, but you might go spend that money on. Uh, like a two hundred dollar dinner, how much? Time, like, will you just trade an hour of your life for a for a dinner? Is it worth it? I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I think when people start thinking like that, they start to start to take more, have more respect for the money. I think that's when they start to realize how crappy it is uh, that inflation's at six, eight percent, and that month you worked and when you were twenty four, you basically lost in buying power. You lost that whole month of your life. Like. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's that might be a that might be a weird way that I think about things that other people don't think about things. But man, it's it's tough. I see people go to, like go to lunch. I, I know that they got a you know they're wearing a subway shirt like they're a sandwich artist, and then I see them eating lunch for twenty bucks, and I'm like, that's got to be two hours of your day to eat lunch. You're you know what I mean? It's like you need to you work at a sub shop, man. Like bring a sandwich you ought to be good at making sandwiches so i i just think a lot of people don't think about it a lot of people think oh there's some money in my checking account i can spend it or i don't have much money in my checking account i can't spend it or i don't have any money checking account but this credit card still got some room on it so i'll spend it and i I think uh i I think they're they're i think they're just set up i think they're set up to fail yeah i can't disagree with you there so uh, hence why getting educated about all this is probably the most important thing you could do right now yeah. I do think one of the more interesting pieces that will relate to crypto is we're about a week away from the next rate hike or possible rate hike. I mean, Bitcoin has been taking off here lately. And if there is a reduction, I mean, I think the chances of it being 50 basis points is uh, very slim at this point. I mean, if it drops down to 25 basis points, that makes a lot more sense. And it could be the beginning of this pivot where all of a sudden, on top of the government printing money to make all these banks somewhat solvent again, they're going to change their ways and, and hopefully reduce the interest rate hikes too. So, which is usually a good thing for, for crypto. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fed, the fed has a couple options, right? They keep raising interest rates to start to keep fighting inflation or pretending they're fighting inflation and keep putting stress on the banks and maybe have to bail them out or start cutting cutting those rates, helping out the banks and the economy. But, oh yeah, this is inflationary. That's, they're going to, they're, they put themselves in a tight spot, but it's ironic that they're, that this is coming together, right? About 5% as a, at a fed fund rate, which is right about where I had it pegged as far as the interest expense in the federal debt rolling over and, and being too much for tax receipts. I had like between five and six percent for maybe between four and a half and five and a half percent as like where they they couldn't go much higher than that because 
over the the short term debt that the the that's on the Fed balance sheet, uh, not the Fed balance sheet, on the federal government balance sheet, the interest expense plus entitlements plus military spending exceeds tax revenues, which would put us in like an insolvent as a country situation. So it's like that 5%, I've always kind of had that 5% number is like, that's about as high as they can go. And that's, I think they're like between four and a half and four and three quarters now. So it's kind of a ironic that it all kind of is, is happening right now. So I think they're about as high as they can go, but we'll see. Yeah, they, so they, they could definitely do stuff that I don't expect. And it seems like they've got these, pl- these, these playbooks made, ready to roll. They didn't invent this plan to loan money to the banks at par value. Like this thing was already written and ready to rock. It was like that PPP loan program. That thing was ready to roll, man. They came out with that in like two weeks. Government's never done anything in two weeks. So, you know, they've got these contingency plans ready to roll that I've never heard of and nobody else has either. So it doesn't mean they're good ideas. Yep. So a very interesting last week. I think this next week we'll continue to have a lot of news come out on what's going to happen. So uh, looking forward to catching up with you next week, Al, and we'll figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot of news next week, too. Like, I don't I don't think that this is over. Yeah, this is definitely the beginning. Well, thanks for joining. Great. Catching up with you, Hal, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good, Jeff. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.